keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host this week, Robert Karpolis. Uh, I am joined by Scott Chaplin. We're going to have a special drop-in by Dan St. Germain. And Mike is currently wandering through a forest being mistaken for Sasquatch. Uh, it's the only thing he can do during the writer's strike. And we are fully supportive of it uh, in standard wrestle roast form. Uh, I'm here on time, ready to go. Scott running a couple minutes behind. Uh, Dan is, uh, he's out honing his craft right now. He's, he's doing a show, so he has recorded his backlash thoughts. Those are going to be uh, inserted here in a few minutes. I really shouldn't use the words Dan and inserted so closely together. I apologize for that. Got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking uh, backlash. We're going to be talking AEW dynamite or dud. We're going to be talking about the, uh, the new potential AEW TV deal that's in the works. Uh, but first, before we get to that, I'm going to do Dan's housekeeping to kind of get that out of the way here. Uh, next week is our Vince Russo episode, bro. So that's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, and then for the Patreon this weekend, it's going to be wrestlers versus zombies because uh, Dan picked a, a, a TV show, a battle dome or whatever, and realized we can't find any copies of it. So vintage Dan St. Germain on the Patreon. And speaking of vintage, vintage slightly late, but still happy to be here. Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? Yeah, the vintage, the vintage is in the slightly late now. It's vintage slightly late, and I, I appreciate it. Uh, I just went through all of Dan's housekeeping, almost all of Dan's housekeeping. One more plug, the most important plug. Uh, June 1st, live from the Brooklyn Comedy Club, uh, is going to be Dan St. Germain taping his comedy special. Scott's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Mike's going to be across the country uh, hiding. But uh, if you are anywhere near the tri-state area or you can get on a plane, a train, an automobile, whatever it is, come on down to the Brooklyn Comedy Club that night. It's going to be a, a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Scott, are you excited? Oh, man, I'm super pumped. I'm, uh, I'm going to be hosting for him. So. Oh, shit. I didn't even know that. That's breaking news. Yeah, which means he wants a really weird tone set before he goes up. Uh, that, and that, that is. And Aya Pellucci is opening and uh She's really, really funny, and it'll be a really cool, interesting night. I'm, I'm pumped for Dan. You sound really like attending. you sound like echoey and underwater. Are you in your normal setup here? No, I was going to say you sound like that. I sound echoey. You sound echoey. This is this is weird. Well, maybe, maybe it's yeah. I don't know. Whatever it is, it'll be a little echoey. I'm sure it's going to be just fine. Um, or maybe it's just yeah, your I'll headphones. Uh, yeah, it, it might be your your gimmick. Uh, but uh, first, 
forget about how Scott sounds. Forget about how I sound. We're going to start this show with Dan St. Germain's thoughts on Backlash. Hey, guys. What's up? It's Dan St. Germain. I was uh, unable to join the boys on this podcast because I am doing an Irish pub in Schenectady, New York. Katie O'Brien's, which is as glamorous as you think it's going to be. Um, actually, I, I think it should be a fun show. It's almost sold out. And by the time you have listened, it's it's already happened. So the most important show that you can go to, and dear God, I need it, folks, is uh, my special June 1st. The code is roast. You get 20% off tickets. Brooklyn Comedy Club. If you go to my Instagram, which you, we should, you should also follow, uh, there's a link to tickets. Scott's going to be emceeing. Robert's going to be in the audience. And Adrian Ipolucci, who's fucking hilarious, is going to be featuring. So I can't wait for this goddamn show, man. I'm super excited. And I'm super nervous that people show up. So please show up. Out of all the things, I'm more nervous about that than I am even, you know, writing a cartoon for Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is um, what I'm also doing. So brag, 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 brag. And hey, it's my birthday, so uh, buy a ticket to my comedy show. <laughs> Here, it'll be 39. I'm, I'm from the precipice of 40, everybody. It's kind of, uh, kind of freaking me out, but I just wanted to give some top-line thoughts. Um, I think the guys already went through what the schedule's going to be, um, but we got some fun stuff coming up. Um, just again, really quick. Um, next week, we're going to Russo the rest of the year. May 26th, the Roast of Road Dog and the Double or Nothing preview. June 1st, Double or Nothing review. Um, this weekend on Patreon, we're doing Pro Wrestlers for Zombies. May 22nd, the Roast of Kid Rock. May 29th, the Saudi Show. So a lot of fun stuff coming up. Let's get to uh, Backlash. I'm going to give my top line thoughts to Backlash. This is you know going to be a 10-minute segment since you guys have already heard. By that, I mean... My portion is going to be 10 minutes since you guys have already heard all of Robert's opinions about why uh, Backlash was fantastic and AEW is is uh, going to be a dollar general by the end of the week. Bianca Belair, beat Sky, in my opinion, match of the night. Sky is super over. They found a new star. They found a new baby face. Uh, Bianca being interested by her booze was interesting. Do you at some point turn her heel i know you don't right now because you have Rhea, um, but they have a lot of heels on the roster and there's there's a ton of heels in nxt about to come out tiffany stratton being one um so i i don't think you need to worry about heels i think you need more baby faces and, and eo's it man she's a she is the best bell-to-bell wrestler that they have on the roster now now that mercedes is gone and uh, this match was fantastic, man. I just, I, I loved every second of it. Seth got the best match out of Almas I've ever seen. He, in my opinion, is the best wrestler in WWE as far as bell to bell. And then we have EO and then Seth. I don't think anybody touches Seth as far as like, I mean, if you watch just month to month, you see that Logan Paul match and you see that Omos match and you just see how differently that guy can work. And I don't know who else there is the world heavyweight champion. I think it's got to be him. I think also because, you know, you have a heel universal champion. You have a heel United States champion. You have a heel intercontinental champion. I think he's the guy to go with for sure. 
So um, the match itself, again, was totally painless. Triple threat, Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, Bronson Reed. This was probably the worst match of the night, but it was fine. You know, it was six minutes, 50 seconds. Austin went over. It's every WWE triple threat match you're ever going to see. Rhea Ripley versus Zelina Vega. This is the match you watch for the intros, man. Like, people bitch about how long WWE intros are, but every once in a while, this is why I realize WWE, in my opinion, right now, is better than AEW. And I and I like AEW, and I'm, I'm going to have some positive things to say about Dynamite when we talk about it. It's because they're able to embrace the moments. That's, it's not tradition, it's moments. It's Zelina Vega. Like, we're never going to remember what happened during that Zelina Vega-Rhea Ripley match, but we're all going to remember her standing in the middle of the ring, peacocking with the Puerto Rican flag, her welling up, her saying hi to her family. Um, This was a wonderful moment for the crowd. You know, I'm a big Zelina Vega fan. I, I wish, you know... She was used more as a manager and more of a mouthpiece, especially for the LWO, since she's probably the best talker out of all those guys. Um, but you know, they—they, they, you know, you got to wrestle in WWE. That's—I uh, don't get it, but I mean, Maxine Dupree doesn't do it, and she's fantastic at her job. But you know, Rhea dominated, which should have happened. I mean, Zelina had some comebacks, but you really can't. Somebody said, "Oh, they should have made this," you know longer and re and, and Zelina should have put more of a fight up no man not, not with Rhea and you know you have Rhea she's gonna be a hot champion you're probably gonna you're probably setting her up for a Becky run at some point um when Becky's done with this Trish thing and those matches got to be longer and closer so you can't do this now um Bad Bunny beat Damian Priest in a San Juan street fight this was a spectacle match this was a blast this you know, this match is everything. I know this is so crazy, but Michael Cole versus Jerry Lawler isn't. Where Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, and they had bigger, you know, they had bigger cameos, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. But it was just like overbooked. And this was like overbooked, but it worked for whatever reason. You know, Bad Bunny, he's not a great wrestler. He's a great celebrity wrestler. He's not, he's not in Logan Paul's level, but he's he's very good for a guy who's had, I guess this is his third match i guess we're really sucking official match um damian priest is becoming a real star for them he's still got i mean i thought that promo package they did with him where he said i'm a bad guy they they definitely made him look strong as far as um being able to like you know end the match early so now it kind of looks hubris and as a heel he's got a bitch um savio vega carlito coming out i mean this was just this is the good thing about hunter man it's like Hunter does not have that gene in Vince where I think like Vince kind of hates the fact that you watch wrestling. So with this match, you know, he wouldn't have those intros. He would have like, you know, fucking Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels come out or somebody that's not even connected to the scene. And uh, what's wonderful about, about this guy, about uh, Triple H is that he understands big moments are big moments. And the reason, you know, the WWE is on top, like I said, is their ability to embrace these big moments. Um, Bloodline defeated, uh, you know, Kevin Riddle and Sammy in a six, sorry, I have really bad allergies, six-man tag team match. This was every Raw match you've seen. It was fine. There's nothing really to talk about. There were some nice moments with Solo and, and and Jey Uso clearly that's going to be a program down the line. Cody versus Brock. This was a good match. Uh, Cody looked strong and smart. 
Brock looked like a monster. They're going to continue this feud. We saw that night before, night after. I think that's the way to go. You want to kind of tie Cody up for a little bit so people forget that he lost Mania. Now, if they were ballsy, and I don't think Brock is going to let them happen, this is going to be a three-match series where Cody wins every one. Most likely, Cody's going to lose in Saudi Arabia, and then he's going to get his win back, you know, at, at either SummerSlam or... I'm trying to think where else he could get it. I mean, money in the bank, he should be in the money in the bank match. Maybe anything Brock should, you know, screw him or something. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, uh, you know, this match was good. It was 940, but that's fine. It, it actually seemed a little longer. I didn't feel like I was gypped at all. Dynamite or dud. If there's one thing to watch, it's the opening match. Phoenix versus Claudio. My God, this is the best TV match that I've seen in I, I don't know how long. Um, these, these guys' timings are fantastic. You know, everything that's wrong about Commander is right about Phoenix. He does all the shit Commander does, but he actually fucking makes his spots, you know, and he makes his time. And he doesn't botch anything. Uh, Claudio is fantastic. He's another guy. Like, like, fucking, they should have Claudio teaching the guys. Because he's somebody who's been able to take that Ring of Honor style and apply it to TV. I'm talking about in-ring. You know, Claudio's a promo is whatever. But, like, when he applies it to TV, it, it really works. You know, it really works. He's able to, you know, make a sports entertainment match work. And uh, I think I wish there was more of that. But we also have an MJF promo, which was not very good. Um, probably one of the worst MJF promos I've ever seen. They he compares the four pillars to the Beatles. I'm like, on what fucking planet? You know, like the last stable that was like remotely. I mean, no stable's been hot as the Beatles, but like, you know what what we have as far as like top stables ever, right? As far as like how over they are, um, it's got to be you know four horsemen, NWO. Hey, you could argue DX, even though like it's not everybody's favorite, like they're over. And then, you know, Shield and Bloodline kind of fighting for that other position. And then you go to Nation and a few other places. But yeah, um, the four pillars aren't it. MJF and and MJF is kind of lowering himself doing this program. I I really think that he's should have they should have put him against. I mean, when I saw Miro come in, I was like, oh, that's the guy they should put him against. Somebody who's a really over baby face. Jungle Boy is not over right now. Um, Sammy is not over right now. Darby is over, but he's limited. Don't know what you're doing here. We all know MJF's going to win. It's a foregone conclusion. Do I think the match is going to be really good? Sure. I thought the Brian-MJF match was really great. But the program leading up to it sucked. And that's what's happening here. So, I mean, Hangman Page, CM Punk... Um, uh, fucking Kenny Omega, they all had better programs leading up to their matches than MJF. And that sucks because you know, MJF is a better talker than all of them and arguably has bigger upside than all of them. Uh, the best segment of the night was the FTR Jeff Jarrett segment. I'm not joking. Um, they threw, they threw shit in, uh, Dax's face. Dax, after hearing that Briscoe's going to be the ref, he's like looking for somebody like, you know, his eyes are blinded. So he just... Oh, grabs who's next to him and it ends up being Briscoe. He pile drives him. So we set up that intrigue. You know, it was Briscoe now, you know, going to be with the heels because of that uh, pile driver. But I, I thought this was great. Um, Thunder Rosa came back. 
didn't really say anything. It looks like she's going to be a heel, but you never know with Tony, man. Could just, you know, she could do a heel promo and then you don't see her on TV for four fucking weeks. Um, Man, Jay versus Julie Hart, I obviously skipped. Although Julie Hart's theme song just sounds like, you know, the darkest night at Little Affair. Um, and yeah, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. I mean, I thought Kenny was good in this match. Moxley, I really did not like in this match. He was doing stuff like, you know, blown kisses the camera. It just seemed like real baby face type of stuff. The brawl to start out was fucking terrible. They like threw like the Bucks like threw Wheeler Utah off the ramp, but it wasn't like big enough of a thing to be impressive. So it just looked like he kind of jumped and landed fine. So put a table there if you're gonna do that spot or measure how high the fucking ramp is. Uh the the finish was so stupid. It was Don Callis using a screwdriver to knock out Kenny Omega, which I don't think you can do with a screwdriver. You can bust somebody open. You can stab somebody to death, I guess, if you do it hard enough. You can't knock anybody out with a fucking screwdriver unless they're already concussed. And that really wasn't the story. The story was his leg was fucked up because it got trapped in the cage on this gnarly spot. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just thought that, like, you know, it sucks. It sucks Don Callis because he's fine, but you have Paul Heyman doing it on another channel and he's phenomenal. So it's very hard to try to follow that. And especially because Paul Heyman, you know, with CM Punk and with Brock Lesnar has done segments very similar to this. You keep comparing him to those. So I don't know. I would have Takeshita or somebody, you know, come out there and help Don set up at least another program, but I guess they're going to do the bloodline program. Is Don Callis going to the bloodline? Probably not. F felt weird. It just didn't feel good. Um, yeah, folks. Well, that's it, folks. That's how you do it, man. That's how you party for a living. To quote the great Ray Goots. Um, anyway, folks, I am uh, I'm pretty good. Otherwise, you know, doing stand up. Fucking and sucking. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. But seriously, come to the uh come to my special on June first. It's uh gonna be at Brooklyn Comedy Club, Old Man Hustle. Check it out. Eight and ten. Adrian Ipolucci, Scott Chaplin, use the code roast. Get some, you know, some cheaper tickets. And until then, folks, wash your hands and it's never goodbye. And those were Dan's thoughts on Backlash. Don't worry, we edited out the gunshot after he was done recapping that episode. Uh, so thanks, Dan. Great thoughts, great takes that neither Scott nor I actually heard uh, because Dan forgot to send us the audio so far. So I'm sure it was awesome. Uh, but uh, Scott. Yeah, it's a real mystery. You go, did he shoot himself? Did he shoot one of the dogs? Oh, uh, it's like it a filming thing, you know? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I did, uh, I did a backlash episode for, uh, for Patreon for something to sports entertainment with really, uh, a deep dive of the show, but, you know, happy to definitely talk about it here with you on the, on the main show. Uh, I, I think generally speaking, probably not controversial to say that this was a, uh, a great pay-per-view to watch from beginning to end, but what was your, what was your overall take before we go match for match? Um, Overall, I thought it was phenomenal. I, I thought at some point it was going to get bad. And then I was surprised every match, start to finish. This was so fun.
it was a fun show. I think the first thing was the crowd was a hell of a lot of fun. Like it was a legit, we're here to have a good time wrestling crowd. Yeah, it was a concert crowd. It was really, really cool to see. And Clash at the Castle was a similar thing. And you know what? So was like those that first maybe two years of AEW when each time they went somewhere, even if it was Cleveland, it they let it be known we're here in Cleveland, which that's gone away over the last year or so. And I think the show has gotten worse because of it. Um, when you're able to like celebrate an audience, the audience celebrates itself. And uh, this uh, that obviously happened for the show. Like, I mean, holy shit. Insane. Well, what's insane is WWE this year uh, was really smart in the way they book their pay-per-views that are premium live events, whatever, relax. I'm sure somebody's like, that's not what it's called. Cool. Very proud of you for that. Uh, everything they've booked this year has felt special and different. Like Rumble had a big match, big show feel. Then you had the Elimination Chamber, which was that Sammy show in Montreal with an insane crowd. Then Mania. Now Backlash in Puerto Rico. Then Night of Champions is going to be in Saudi Arabia. Then Money in the Bank in London. And then SummerSlam. Like that's a crazy. Wait, Night of Champions is Saudi Arabia. So no, yeah, Night of Champions. That's where they're crowning the new world champions. It was supposed to be uh, King of the Ring, and now it's Night of Champions. And it's gonna wait. They're gonna crown the new champ in Saudi. Yes. So they're yeah. They're they're gonna they're gonna what win is a new. Happening? Well, you know, you pay enough for these things, you get something of uh, minor importance, and that world title is about as minor important as it gets. Oh gosh, I thought it was gonna be important. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be important for Raw until, like, they get bored of having to book two world titles and they just smush them together again. Sure, sure. Damn. So, we'll uh, we'll go match for match, get get Scott's take on it, and I'll, I'll get my two cents. Opening match was Bianca Belair and Io Sky for the Raw title, Raw Women's title. Yeah, dude, arguably match of the night. I love this shit. Io was super over. I mean, questionably over. She deserves everything. She is... She is like the the Shawn Michaels of the women's division. Um, well, you but, called it last week that this was going to be match of the show. Yeah, man, this shit was. I this was better than I thought it was going to be, though. I really, really loved this match. You know, I said it last week that I felt like EO was poised to be a babyface. It's why I said there was a potential argument of EO maybe winning. Um, clearly, they didn't go that route, but. She wrestled an amazing match. Bianca changed her calibration a little bit, like saw that, all right, I'm going to kind of be the heel here and adjusted, which really speaks to how far she's come as a wrestler. And this felt like, yeah, your match of the night. Uh, next, yeah. <laughs> yes. next up, uh, Seth Rollins and Omos, uh, which, I, you know, I'll be controversial. You know, that's, I'm going to take a hot take here. Omos's best match ever. Yeah. Really I'm going to second bit. that emotion. But yeah, it definitely was his best match ever. And, I mean, the right guy won, which I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, this felt like a, a statement piece by Rollins. I felt like this was him kind of being like, I'm your Shawn Michaels, I'm your Ric Flair, like, give me anybody and I'll get a good match out of him. And it felt like a really good Omos match, which is crazy. Yeah, I loved this. I mean, and for this to go right after an already amazing match, uh, this was fun. Uh, next was uh, Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, and Bronson Reed in a triple threat for the U.S. title match. Theory retained. Uh, what you, would you think of this one? 
you know, it was good. Like there was moments in it that I was like, oh, nice. Bronson Reed is, he's good, man. They're all good. But I just don't care. I don't give a shit. That's fair. I mean, they only gave it. not wrong, right? I mean, there's really no reason for the match. Well, you gave it seven minutes. And it's also tough because with the draft, you already moved Theory and Lashley to SmackDown. And you moved Gunther to Raw. So you knew Bronson Reed ain't winning this. So either Lashley wins it and who cares or Theory retains and who cares. Uh, And it was just like, look at how cool it is to watch like a big fat guy jump in the air. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, was it for me? Yeah, I mean, it was. Look, it was. I think it was the, the weakest match in the cup. It was fine. Uh, Rhea Ripley, Zelina Vega. This was Zelina's big homecoming. Uh, it was a cool moment for her. They did the bit where she took like her mom's shoe and hit Rhea with it. And yeah. I think making Rhea look like a dominant monster against a hometown hero was the was the right call. Uh, yeah, I yeah, she was like uh like Brody. Well, not entirely. Uh, she she made it out, so you know, plus one for Rhea. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love the booking of this match, and and I thought I thought both of them looked really good. Uh, then it was uh, the San Juan Street Fight. Uh, Bad Bunny beat Damian Priest with assistance from every Puerto Rican wrestler ever. This shit rules, right? This was so fun. This was so much better than, I mean, I knew Bad Bunny was going to do well. And we talked about it last week that they're like, hey, why, you know, why is it not a tag match? And Bad Bunny's like, no, I can do a singles. And it's like, well, they got enough room to do a bunch of Gaga. And then throwing, you know, the LWO and Ray and Savio Vega and Carlito, who always looks great out there. Uh, this was a, this was an absolute blast of a match. Yeah, I love, dude, Carlito is so great. And, to get to have a moment like this where he gets to shine. I mean, how cool that he gets to do that when he really was a, a, a massive part of, of my childhood watching wrestling. Uh, and he Jeez, looks the same. Me I mean, he looks even better because he can do drugs, you know? That makes um, me feel old as shit, by the way. You're like, Carlito was part of my childhood. I'm like, Carlito was part of my raw roster. <laughs> yeah, but you were a young writer, you know? Yeah, thank you. Thanks um, for softening the blow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but man, this shit was so damn fun. It was funny. One of the announcers, I think Michael Cole, and as they were coming out, you know, it was like, uh, what better to have this match in Puerto Rico uh, where hardcore was originated? And I was like, is that true? I don't remember. I mean, Other it's one the of the power incident. Who knows? So Puerto Rico was known as a blood and guts territory. Like you got a lot of crazy hardcore matches. You wanted a, they wanted a lot of blood. They 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 were hungry for it. Like the Carlos Colon matches. I mean, if you've seen his fucking forehead, like they love blood and guts. And so that's what Bad Bunny and Damian Priest grew up on. Uh, they had a lot of fun. I mean, Bad Bunny was so good at just being like a flung around tackling dummy at certain points that you're looking at it and you're like, all right, this dude was at the Met Gala a week before. He's one of the biggest musicians on the planet. You don't need to be like taking a bump through a table for Damien Priest, but he just loves it. And I think that makes me like this guy a hell of a lot more. Oh, dude, when he does that Ultimo Guerrero move, it's like his finisher, I think. Uh, but he landed on his head in this match. Ooh. Yeah, but he still, you know what? He still looked, he didn't look out of place. 
Uh, I think. Priest oh no, he looks unbelievable, dude. Damian Priest was fucking awesome too. Priest looked like a star. It's and the way that they yeah, handled. Man. I don't know if you saw Raw, but the way that Priest like handled his promo on Monday was kind of like it's like you know yeah that happened, but it took the entire island of Puerto Rico to beat me, and I'm here. Oh, that's pretty fun. He's like, and I'm here on Monday, and Bad Bunny isn't because he, you know, I survived this fight and he didn't, and you oh, just okay. move from there. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And I like that he's putting it together, and it's a good way to use a guy like Bad Bunny to elevate a uh, a potential big time heel. Now everybody looked awesome in this. I thought it was like just the most fun. Uh, we got uh, the Bloodline: Solo Sokoa, Jay Uso, and Jimmy Uso against Matt Riddle, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. This one, I, I feel like you know the the story is kind of on like the 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 downward trajectory at this point we've already had our apex moment at mania of ko and sammy winning the tag titles now this is all like the falling action but there were still a lot of moments in this uh between jay uso screaming at sammy while he was like unconscious in the corner or solo almost hitting jay with the thumb that that was so great solo is so good at the uh dramatic moment i mean all all of them are so good at the the dramatic moments Yes, they they booked this like this was a storyline booked as a match, and sometimes this is what we get on like AEW about like you can have a fifteen star match, but you want the audience to give a shit about what's going on. And this was I I would say weaker than what we got at WrestleMania for the tag match, but you felt the emotion during it, and the crowd was was into it. Yeah, I mean it it allowed you to. Um have Solo way more involved, which was a blast. I, I thought he shined like hell in it. Um, but, you know, every time Riddle's in there, there is a little question mark. And I know that Solo took him out, and it does actually make sense, but I just mean, um, I don't know. Uh, he, does, he doesn't feel the same since he's been back. I do like that he took the pin. I thought that was fair, and, you know, um, I'm sure he understands that that was the right move. Yeah, you can't pin Kevin, you can't pin Sammy. And then I think, I, I mean, more stuff came out with Riddle on Monday, like photos leaked that he had sent someone or something. Like, it's he's going to continue to be a problem for them. And the good news, if there is good news for it, is that Raw roster is so stacked that even if Riddle implodes for some reason, you're still you're still good. Like, you've still got sure. a lot of stars on that show. Uh, and they even managed to make like on Raw like Nakamura feel like oh yeah he's a main eventer again, which is oh I he's think, on Raw he's on Raw yeah they did for the the Raw side of the World Heavyweight Title thing they did like two triple threat matches and the first one was Rollins Priest and Nakamura and then the second one was Miz Cody and Finn oh shit and it's and so between those six plus Kevin and Sammy like you've got eight legitimate main event baby face or main event characters, not necessarily baby faces uh, that you can do stuff with on raw and not have to worry about riddle, not have to worry about drew coming back, which I hope he does, but we'll see not having to worry about when Orton's going to return. They're pretty well stacked right now. And I think that's what makes it fun. I know Dan talks about, you know, he's like, ah, you know, wrestling kind of ebbs and flows for me. I think what's going on with, with it, with raw and SmackDown is pretty exciting right now with who what they're putting together uh and they're on a, a a string of sellouts which is uh a lot of fun when you're a wrestling fan 
Yeah, man, I can't argue with you. I'm done. I mean, I heard that the I heard that the SmackDown draft did like a great rating, and then the Raw draft didn't. Which is interesting. You think as a draft, it would, dude? The draft used to be such a big fucking deal, and now people know it's kind of irrelevant, especially if Roman just isn't going to be around for the most part anyway. Well, the draft used to be fun when it was not fun on creative, but fun uh, for a fan because there were GMs. It was like, all right, it's Flair versus Vince, or it's Teddy Long versus Bischoff. And the shows had different identities. Now, it doesn't really matter. It's like, all right, I'm going to see these guys on both shows most likely, and they're all going to be on the same pay-per-view. And maybe we'll get some fresh matches, which is kind of fun. But for the most part, it's like very little changed. And very few people really moved from one show to another to be like, oh, shit, this is going to be amazing. Like, it's cool they moved Gunther. Uh, it's cool they moved... Um, I mean, Ray was already on SmackDown like the last couple months, but like you moved AJ over there. So you've got AJ and Edge and Ray who can get fed to Roman, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, and then on Raw, it's those guys I just ran through of like, that's your world title picture for, for that Monday night show. But who wins that world title? Though? Uh, who wins it? Seth. You have yeah. there's no one else. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Seth won the Raw side. So it's Seth versus one of the six guys on SmackDown, but it's AJ Ray and edge in a triple threat, which I think will be a really good match. Uh, and then Seamus Lashley and theory. There's only one heel out of six guys. And that's theory. And I think you need Seth to win just because they position it. That Seth's the only guy that Roman couldn't like outright beat. Like, he won, but well, he won by, like, disqualification or some shit like that. Well, we didn't get to the Brock-Cody match, and that's that'll spoil a result on Raw, right? Because Cody is supposed to be in this tournament. So, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll put a button on my, my, my thought there. But it was, I think it's having Seth be the Raw champ and Roman be the SmackDown champ works like the old-school magazines where it used to be like, who would win, the WWF champion or the NWA champion, but they're not allowed to face each other? So Seth can kind of continue to taunt Roman with my title is more important than yours because you can't beat me. But uh, the main event. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I also think I, I think you have like Seth versus like AJ or something as a final, like a real workhorse match. Yeah, you definitely could. And it's Saudi. Like they're not going to care. Oh, I keep forgetting it's Saudi. Come on, dude. Yeah, well, you know, if 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 you had the oil money, you could book it in Jersey. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the main the main event was Cody beating Brock. Um, The match makes more sense when you watch Raw. Like I, I I don't know what I didn't. This is the first pay per view I didn't watch live in a long, long time. I was away in New York, uh, so I missed the show live. So I watched the pay per view the day I watched Raw, and my thoughts on the finish changed a little bit. Uh, It's like Cody beat Brock with a roll up, and I was like, like a fluke thing. While Brock had him in the Kimura, I was like, that's kind of weak. But then to tell the story on Raw of, like, now Brock wants to kill him is kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I appreciated the blood in the match. I wasn't crazy about the match itself because it could be Brock's first time wrestling a guy. And if it does go past five minutes, you feel like it's the fifth time they've wrestled each other. Yeah. Because it's, it's a lot of the same spots. And they did that same thing that they do a lot with Brock, which is 
like before the match, Cody has to attack him with a bunch of weapons. Yeah, just yeah. to make it seem plausible that Brock might possibly lose. Uh, yeah. And now we're going to get a fight in Saudi Arabia. That's what they're billing it as. It's not a match. It's a fight. So oh, wow. well, Cody is, you know, I think Cody is great at the, like the getting beat up cell. But I think when people fight Brock, they're, everybody is so good at the getting beat up cell. And so you're kind of, you know, a Cody match is a Brock match just against everybody. Like well, he, it helps he with gets Brock, his ass right. kicked and yeah. I was say, with Brock, you don't really have a choice. Like, you're going to get your ass kicked whether you want to or not. Uh, okay. He is a very strong man. Yeah. I like the blood, though. I wasn't crazy about the end of the match, but you also go like, well, what the hell can you do? Um, I mean, I guess you can't. You couldn't have had Bad Bunny in the main event. No, you couldn't have, you couldn't have closed with Bad Bunny. So I think I like where they put it. I get why you want to go with Cody as your main event, because Cody and Brock objectively is a bigger match because it's the first time they've ever wrestled one-on-one and you're like, all right, these are two huge stars that makes sense as a, as a big time match. Um, and then by not giving like a full decisive finish, I was a little concerned except we're getting another match. Like if this was it and Brock goes into like his summer vacation, like he's like a, you know, middle school teacher, then it feels a little different. But yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get another match out of it. And I'm kind of excited to see what they do. Brock on Raw with the stitches on his face. I don't know if you saw the image of it. Fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah, he did look cool. He looks a little like Charles Mancini. <laughs> but, you know, enough about, enough about cult leaders. Uh, we're going to talk about Tony Khan's AEW Dynamite. <laughs> uh, this was uh this is dynamite or duh this is a very like review heavy episode normally it's like ah we're gonna do jokes and, and roast about yeah, you know, whatever it's it this is you know it's this is it's like it's almost like a total left and mark's throwback a little bit it's like now nah, we're just gonna sit and bullshit about wrestling for a little while and that's sometimes yeah. the fun of the show it, it's oh not, yeah it's I, gonna be teddy hart jokes dude, at least the wrestling is good the wrestling well, in my opinion I'll, I'll, I enjoyed the hell out of this episode of Dynamite. Yeah, this was good shit, right? They, they... I mean, there was. I remember there was a few moments that maybe, honestly, there was just a few moments where I was just like, whole, like not on this episode. Yeah, um, there, was, there was a couple at the of... same time, nothing necessarily felt rushed. We'll get to it, I guess. But yeah, first hour was jam-packed with shit. And I, I thought the opening match was... Um, was damn good. Now so, I watched. I I didn't watch either of these live, and I watched both of them uh, today. And um, so you know, you start this match, and you go, "Oh, this isn't a this isn't a uh, a Puerto Rico crowd," and you're a little bummed out. And then within a few minutes, they're just so good at wrestling that yeah, it wasn't. You know, look, you're not going to match that Puerto Rico crowd, but holy shit, these people went crazy. So I'll, I'll, let's get into it. So the opening match was Claudio versus Ray Phoenix. It was a title versus title shot opportunity where if Phoenix wins, he gets a shot at, at Claudio's Ring of Honor world title. If Claudio wins, uh, then him and a partner get a shot at the uh, Lucha Bros Ring of Honor world tag titles, which I forgot they were even the tag champs of Ring of Honor. But this was exactly why like I've been on them. Like Ray Phoenix is a star. Like he is their Rey Mysterio. He's a guy they should be getting behind. And him and Claudio just absolutely tore it down. Yeah, it's everything you want in a match with a guy like Phoenix, which is a guy who can stand there, hold on, 
and let the little man do what he wants to do <laughs> and then do a flip when needed. Right. It was and awesome. It was so fun. It's why I like him more than like Vikingo or the guy who kept jumping on the ropes, whose name already I've already forgotten. Oh, Commander, dude. Commander, sorry, Commander with a K. Uh <laughs> can do the jumpy moves. There's no story to it. Like Phoenix tells a story in his matches. And it's the same reason I like Bandito. Like these guys are just they're so good. Dude, Bandito and Phoenix. Uh they gotta they gotta fight. They gotta fight. I gotta watch it. Just yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, th- maybe this is culturally insensitive, and I'll own that if it is. Like they should do a Cinco de Mayo Lucha style show. And just let it oh, be yeah, like all these Lucha Dream matches. Yeah, I wonder if there's well, you know what they need to do? They just AW needs to do a show in Mexico. The only thing is it would be in conjunction with like triple A, because you know, Omega's fighting Vikingo in June, I think, at Triple Mania. Um and since you have that issue, it's like, oh yeah, that all sounds great. And then Conan is like a psycho clown and his family want a match. <laughs> yeah, yo, no, it's gonna be like Dominion six 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 in a uh, hair versus I get to steal your children match or something like whatever yeah. the one that Dan. They always do. Yeah. We watched one of those AAA shows and it was like, and I think it was Viking. It was in the main event, and it's like some of the some of the stipulations and some of the matches. It's like the winner gets a lifetime supply of Goya dip. Oh like, yeah, dude! It's like Legends of the Hidden Temple, dude. They get Nesquik. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, it's the Shrine of the Silver Monkey match. Uh, yeah, yeah. Next up, we get something I thought I was hallucinating, which was Miro just shows up uh, and then goes into Tony Khan's office. And this is weird, Scott, for two reasons. One, Miro has been gone for a really long time, and they just kind of they act as surprised as we were. And number two, we really haven't established Tony Khan as like an on-screen like having an office like they do in WWE. Like he's usually backstage, like taking some riddle and trying to contain himself. Yeah. Once in a blue moon, I think in the beginning, I remember Moxley storming into Tony Khan's office, but you know, you didn't see Tony just saw him storming into an office. And this was fun, man. Uh, which is insane and a risk because, you know, a mirror return, you go, Oh, let him run in during a match and just murder someone. Let him, interrupt the big moment and destroy everything but instead you have him coming to meet with uh the boss and later on i mean i'll just say it in the second hour you have thunder rosa showing up to meet with the boss oh no it's still in the first hour oh that was the first hour yeah oh that's so funny dude it's like all the Uh, people they they they've forsaken all get to come back at once so i kept waiting for like joey canella to show up yeah, yeah, Andrade and uh, Marco Stunt. Well, maybe not Marco Stunt. Uh, I'm good with that. Uh, they I do, do, I do, I love it because it one, it gets you hyped to see Miro. Um, it gets you hyped to see Thunder Rosa, which I don't think she would have got a reaction any other way other than that because you're looking at it in a, oh wow, these are the these people who have been outsiders the last year, and now a new show is happening. And it looks like they're all there to talk to Tony so they can be on it. And what a way to tune into a show because in the coming weeks, eventually someone else is going to show up at Tony's door and it's going to be punk and that's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's where I feel like this is going. I feel like Miro is being set up as the guy who will probably beat orange Cassidy for the, whatever the fuck it's called title. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And then, but I would, I want to see Orange have that for uh, for Forbidden Door in June. So you only got like a month. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. It's it's interesting to speculate. We got uh, the first of four video packages to hype the pillars. Uh, it was an MJF video package that Dan texted saying he thought this was the worst MJF promo. Yeah, you I, go. I what are you talking what you about? Watch, dude? brother, brother. Because I watched it after he posted that, so I was Me really too. expecting something bad. And I go, the only thing I could think is Dan is a Ringo fan. <laughs> yes. Dan is a big Ringo. Dan was sitting next to Sarah, and he was like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. Octopus's Garden's the best song ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, it was like MJF basically being like, all right, the four pillars of the Beatles. And then his point about, like, every great moment has been because of me. And the video package made it feel like, yeah, you're right. He had the Iron Man match. He had the crazy uh, punk bloody ladder match he had the the debonair uh sing-along thing with jericho the moment where he came out with the devil mask like in the in the confines of AEW, all those big moments revolve around max and it made sense so i don't know you know dan may have been watching it in between tears uh and it was uh it was tough for him yeah i, I loved it start to finish I, I don't think there was an error in it i all all really fun Great points. I love saying he's Paul. There is something about Paul where it is kind of obvious that he is the uh, the best one. Yeah. Um, but it you know it irritates a lot of people. Um, I also like we are approaching uh, a show in the UK, and I don't know what a WB deal looks like. We could talk about it whether it's a high spot or a low spot. But um, but I want I want Paul McCartney to uh, slap uh, MJF. <laughs> um. If they could get the money for it, I think that would be that would be fantastic. Uh, what was not fantastic was the next segment, which was FTR uh, with Jarrett and Lethal uh, to to set up this tag match where Mark Briscoe is going to be the referee, and they they drink and then booze gets spit in people's eyes, and Dax accidentally uh, pile drives Mark Briscoe like. This was like TNA. Yeah, dude, he can't see. So, oh, it was, it was hokey wrestling bullshit. It's something that Cornette like would explain happened in seventy something, and everyone went crazy. And it made sense because he was blind, and that's how you get heat. And now, and I understand, you know. Look, I guess Briscoe is going to be the referee. Um, I can appreciate them letting him have another moment uh, where he can hug a few people for his brother. Uh, but you don't need to do this thing where it's like, but maybe he won't, you know, maybe he won't be on the side of FTR because he did get pile driven. And it's like, he's not a fucking idiot. He's not, uh, they're treating him so, like he's Eugene. Yeah. Which honestly, if they're going to do that, they should lean in more on that. I would like that. It's, it's just a little weird. And then, you know, I got excited, honestly, when he first get hurt because you go, oh, shit, he's going to wrestle in the match. And then he's not. He's just the referee. So it's like, OK, uh, we get another little tribute moment, which we'll also get at the Ring of Honor show. Uh, yeah, but also on a paper, like them again, you only do four pay-per-views a year. Do you really want to see FTR versus Jarrett and Lethal? No, no, no. Uh and so I hope this is more a storyline. 
because I don't really get it. And if anything needs to be reset in AEW, it's the tag division. Because even the trios division, dude, it doesn't need to be reset. It just needs to be focused on. We'll, we'll, you look we'll at get trios, trios. And you, and you yeah. go, holy shit, it's fucking stacked, though. Like, if they want trios, they got them. They, they do. got them. Uh, we get uh, tags. I'm not really sure. They got to refocus. They, 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 I mean, the, the guns and acclaimed are basically like relegated to Rampage. And not to give spoilers away, because I know how much the eight of you that watch Rampage and Jim Ross care about Rampage, but like, it's the acclaimed and Billy Gunn, and it looks like they're setting up the guns with Ethan Page. I, I don't know. What? Uh, dude, I don't know. Jericho is in the back. He has a court order that bars Adam Cole from the building. Uh, I guess they have a, a height requirement. And then uh, Roderick Strong shows up to challenge him for a match, and he has a court order that he magically had already known that Jericho was going to get a court order, so he gets his own court order to bar the Jericho Appreciation Society from the building next week uh, for their one-on-one match. I think the match will be good, but this was kind of like hokey, goofy bullshit, right? Yeah. uh, I mean, Cole Jericho is obviously happening at Double or Nothing. And Double or Nothing is in like two weeks. Is it that soon? Gotta be. It's like May twenty something, right? And we're at May eleventh right now, or some shit. So oh, May twelfth. So this is what I I'm guessing happened. Right? May twenty eighth, yeah. Yeah. So Jericho's like, you can't be in the arena. Well, and this match shouldn't really be happening. Also, Roderick Strong shouldn't lose the match. Um, especially, I mean, you know, I lost to Jericho. None of that really matters. But what I think is going to happen is it's a false count anywhere match. And uh, Adam can't be in the arena, and so they're gonna fight to like the parking lot, and then Cole will be there because uh, it's not in the arena. Yeah, but so you're giving them too much credit, and I say that because we go from this segment with Renee Young to the next segment, which is Renee Young standing out in front of Tony Khan's office. You literally, yeah, went she's through- running around, man. That's the hustle and bustle of. Uh, reporting yeah but she's like i've been standing out here outside of tony khan's office i'm like no you were just in the last segment i'm begging somebody to fucking pay attention this is when thunder rosa shows up so yeah i guess all the malcontents are going to wind up on saturday night uh good yeah, on them i love I it watching I love the it. show um come on uh, it's i don't know we'll see you know, you DVR it and check Dude, it out. I, okay, I DVR Rampage. I don't even watch Rampage. Like, I DVR it yeah, and but I they see obviously, it. Like, eh. They are obviously using Rampage now as what they've been booking it as, which is a show that you can see these people that you really you don't need to see. Right. Um, which is which, It's the new Dark, uh, right? They got well, they rid of said Dark. Now they're, dark they're basically calling it, they're basically treating it like Sunday Night Heat, which Boom, there you go. is tough to justify when it's TNT at 10 o'clock. Like, that's still pretty like prime real estate to have. Uh, I never liked the time. I thought it was bad, but I also think Saturday at 8 isn't very good. Saturday at 8 only thing I, The only thing I can say about Saturday at 8 is, you know, um, maybe it's something that people turn on with their friends before they head out for a night or something. Uh, otherwise, I don't really understand why Saturday at eight there's wrestling on. I, I mean, Saturday at, eight, at what five something or six oh five used to be wrestling, right? Saturday six oh five. I used to watch it all the time on TBS. Yeah, 
Well, so yeah, I mean, you know, I guess who defines when things get watched? Well, so, so we'll I remember when we out. first moved SmackDown from Thursday to Friday, the ad campaign we ran because we knew it's like Friday night, everyone's going out. Like, this is going to suck. Yeah, man, it sucks. And it was this ad of like all these bars that were abandoned and like stadiums. Like, everybody was like abandoning what they normally do on a Friday night to stay home and watch SmackDown. And it was like, we're just going to own it. Like, all right, you were going to go out and instead you're going to stay in and watch SmackDown. I'm sure they know what they're doing. Uh, speaking of knowing what they're doing, we got a Sammy Guevara promo where he's full on babyface, believe in your dreams. Like, this was fucking weird. Yeah, dude, it has to. Sammy's entire gimmick and the reason we've hated it for, gosh, since like the Andrade shit, probably even before that, is because it's all based on this show that none of us are watching. Oh, the, he's uh, like, yeah. Yeah, like we're supposed to give a shit. It's this all access thing, dude. So he's literally talking uh, in, in a world I do not understand. He's like a comic book character. I don't know what's happening. Well, then we go from uh, a comic book character to uh, the uh, Jesse Eisenberg version of Lex Luthor, uh, Tony Khan, to come out to make an announcement for an announcement. This is real. Yeah. This is something that happened, I think, solely to make Mike Lawrence happy with Tony pre-taped, but acknowledging thanks, announcers. Uh, I'm here to announce that next week we're going to announce a big announcement involving Warner. Uh, we all know it's going to be the show. It's probably going to be a TV deal. Um, you want to just talk about it now or save it for after? Um, no, I guess we could talk about it quick now. Yeah, so I mean, I guess they're saying that it's going to be possibly some sort of WB deal where they'll be on Max. There's, there's a possibility of them saying, hey, double or nothing is you'll be able to watch it on such and such. I doubt that because fight and stuff will probably flip out, right? If it's already being advertised on that. Yeah, I think the first um, but one it will does be seem like they're going to get a really they're getting a big money deal, right? Um, to basically be exclusive to WB and to make a bunch of uh, shit for them, which they should be. Um, there yeah. are so few avenues for content that are left it's why wwe's asking prices so high like peacock is surviving like 80 percent because of wwe uh, and 20 percent because of dan's new show um <laughs> and mike's new show on peacock so you and i don't have there shows on peacock this is bullshit yeah no i know but yeah i think this will be it'll be good to have their library available because i was talking about this with with actually one of the wrestlers there i'm like it's weird that you guys have had a lot of great shows over the last four years and they just don't exist anywhere. Like if I wanted to go back and watch, like they kept talking about the Moxley Omega double or nothing at their first, the first double or nothing. You can't go back and watch that show somewhere. Oh shit. Yeah. So this could, this could be great. Yeah, I think you still have to buy DVDs and stuff. I think you can like buy DVDs of their pay-per-views. No, you're thinking absurd. of like ring of honor or like something Mark Briscoe selling out of the <laughs> trunk of his car. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, good on him uh we get orange cassidy beating danny garcia this was fine i like the story of yeah orange. like go ahead I, was just, I like the story of orange just like defending the title and just being like i'm fucking sick of this but fine <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i don't know i thought i i have a sneeze <laughs> there we go boom all right i sneezed anyway um that's your high Danny, spot. Dude, every single guy that's doing uh that's been a part of Jericho Appreciation Society has it is so dull and boring 
and uh, it's done the opposite of what it should have done for them. They're all supposed to be like much funnier and goofier and embarrassing, and it's just their clothes suck, and that's it. Um, I thought the match was really good. I think, you know, Danny Garcia had some really cool moments and cool matches where this could have felt bigger, and it didn't because he doesn't feel like a big deal. And so you knew Orange was going to win. I love Orange, though. I think he rules. Orange is great. Uh, Christian comes out to cut a promo that I thought went in a way more fucked up direction than he meant it to, where he's talking about uh, how he's getting the title shot. And then he's like, all these guys they face have daddy issues because Jungle Boy had daddy issues. And Wardlow talked about his dad. And then he starts talking about Arn. And he's like, you know, you, you went after Wardlow to get a new son. And in my mind, I'm like, Arn's older son just died. And I thought that was what Christian was talking about. And I think even Christian for a second was like, oh, shit, I just realized what I said. And that wasn't what I meant in terms of story. It was like he's trying to replace Brock as the wrestling son. But it came across as Arn's legitimate older son just died. And now you're trying to replace him with Wardlow, which made this way more uncomfortable than I think they wanted it to be. Well, I love that he he lisped maybe two or three times throughout um, the promo, and the crowd really gave him hell for it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, he doesn't do he doesn't he he don't hit the spot like a lot of other people do. You know, yeah. But he just doesn't he just doesn't uh, you know like if he can slam dunk he he don't shake the backboard. He's not poster worthy. Uh, he's he's Christian. It's fine. Where is this going? Because it's it should be Luchasaurus versus Wardlow, right? Not fucking Christian versus Wardlow. Well, I guess you, you got to save that big money match for at some point. I don't know for the first episode of Saturday Night's. Uh, who gives a fuck? Uh, which it looks <laughs> yeah, like they're going to do it from the garden. Is what supposedly they're they're teasing. No, they're, I thought so it was going to be from Chicago. So I, I think they're making the announcement. They said they're making the announcement from like the theater at Madison Square Garden. So maybe they're going to announce the oh. first Saturday show is going to be at, at in MSG. I don't know. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we get a WB upfronts, right? Yeah. yeah, we get a uh, we get a Darby training video with like Sting standing on his driveway in full face paint, which is so <laughs> goofy. And then Darby trying to say like, like, yeah, I, I ride dirt bikes to help me prepare for wrestling matches. Hey man, uh, the last guy who who did that uh, is Jeff Hardy, so we need to get him away from dirt bikes. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, of, I have no way to transition to this. It was speaking of nothing. We got Julia Hart versus Anna Jay in a hardcore match. Um, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I don't know. This felt like when Nitro used to do like. Major Guns versus Miss Hancock. Like that's <laughs> this the match vibe. And this the match me. after, man. Uh, I don't think they needed to have. And I like the match after. The, the match after was the trios, right? The trios match, um, which yeah, was uh, it was. You know, the lighting was like, ugh. You know why? Well, they tried to make. So the, I think what's funny is they try to make it look 
you here's I'll, I'll I will give something positive to them. They try to make this unique. It's like we're going to come up with these rules for the House of Black match. It was House of Black versus the Best Friends in Bandito, and they wanted to make it look interesting. The problem is the lighting made it look like a house show, and it didn't help that Shivani then points that out. Where it's like this gives a very retro '70s vibe. And they're like, no, they're trying to make it <laughs> yeah. spooky. Not this looks like I'm watching like uh, you yeah. know house show footage. Uh, but the match I thought was really good. Yeah, I mean, they're all great. And look, I do appreciate the attempt at something different. And I'll say this, of all the terrible spooky lighting, it is the best terrible spooky lighting. Better it's than also, uh, Yeah, it's also not spooky, though. And no. so, like Shivani said, and like you pointed out, it's like, yeah, sure, it is better than blue, like Sinkara had, or red, like Bray. Uh, but it doesn't look like anything other than we're, you know, we're working on something in the basement. Or we're trying to hide that we didn't sell tickets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just look, look kind of weird. Also, Chuck Taylor literally just exists to take pins at this point, right? Yeah, but man, he is so fun to watch. Like, I, you know, he I is. think, you know, he looks a little funny and stuff, but every time he wrestles, I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, dude, the best friends have been, what a success story. When Chris Statler, Statlander comes back, you're going to be like, oh, damn. That entire crew has been over, like, like Rover. So I will say this because I, I saw Statlander a couple weeks ago. She was backstage at, at Dynamite. Like she she looks impressive. Like you see her, and I said this about a couple of like you see her, and you're like, oh, she definitely looks like she has a presence to her. And mm-hmm. it's it's hard to teach it. Like Anna Jay, bless her heart, I get that she loves wrestling. She ain't very good at like there was a moment where she tried to sell being shocked that Julia Hart kicked out of something, and it was like junior high school play bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, you know, whatever. Uh, Orange Cassidy is in the back, and he uh, he gets attacked by Kyle Fletcher. Kyle Fletcher, yeah. Who the fuck is Kyle Fletcher? Like, I know Aussie Underground is Osprey and those two big dudes. Aussie f- Open, yeah, oh, Aussie. yeah. Who the fuck's this guy? He's never uh, been on well, before, he's... right? Yeah, no, he's he's a member of the tag team. Yeah, but he, he's oh, he's in Aussie Open. He's one of the Aussie then, Open um... guys. Had no clue. Yeah, yeah, and then they are a part of United Empire along with Will Ospreay. Um, I don't know what it means. You know, you go, oh, are they fighting at Forbidden Door? No, they'll probably be fighting much sooner than that. But, yeah, I don't know. Because of United Empire, I just I wonder where that's going. Well, they said Ospreay is going to be at all in. Yeah, I saw that, man. That's my high spot. That's going to be, I'm excited for that. Uh, Jungle, there was a Jungle Boy video package where on the one side, Jungle Boy sitting, talking naturally, where it's, where it's uh, pre-taped is fine. What was weird was like the guy to talk about how good Jungle Boy is was Christian. That was weird, right? Yeah, it's like, well, for sure. Like, he's the guy, like, like they smashed each other get? in the head. Like, he's like, you put me in a coffin, but I'm going to talk about how I think you're going to be a great world champion. <laughs> yeah. No, it's an odd one. It's a it's a weird it's a weird decision to make, especially because, and I was trying to think, like, you're probably like, who could it have been? You have, as an agent, Jerry Lynn. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been for not. Like, it, he's got it, it that It should have been thought. Sting. Sting should be complimenting everybody but MJF. <laughs> I like that. That'd be funny. Uh, and then the main event, uh, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. 
in a uh, in a steel cage uh, in Detroit where it's like Moxley's hometown, but the crowd was kind of not sure what to do. Uh, you got the elite fight in the Blackpool Combat Club at the beginning. And then in the end, Don Callis uh, stabs Kenny Omega with a screwdriver like a bad game of Clue. Uh, what do you think of this whole presentation from beginning to end? Okay, so um, I really loved the beginning, how it didn't start on the inside. Yeah, I thought you got a lot of fun moments uh, that were just, you know, genuinely exciting, right, with the bus and stuff. In the ring, I really loved this cage match. I loved it. Uh, I thought it was brutal. It was what a cage match is supposed to be, which is they did not even get close to making an attempt to escape. All they wanted to do was hurt each other. Yeah. Um, even climbing up top wasn't really a thought in their heads unless it was to jump down onto an object that had barbed wire on it and was going to crush a guy. So I appreciate all of that and all the hard-headedness. Um, you know, it's crazy how in every Moxley match you see slaps and you see punch exchanges. And, you know, they can get kind of old, but holy shit, these slaps and these punches were in whatever uh, agreement guys like these make uh, with each other before they go out to just go, hey, we're going to have to kill each other. I thought it was really cool. I loved the V-trigger v spot uh, where the cage broke. I'm a fan yeah. of cages breaking, period. Kenny, like, landing on his groin after that was so insane and great. And, uh, and it allowed Moxley to, you know, get the uh, screwdriver, which I also liked. And then the callus thing happened. Um, where he pulled it. Okay, so Don Callis, for listeners who didn't see it, Don Callis gets in the ring. Now the ring is open. The cage is open because Omega V triggered Moxley through it. It was really set up awesome. They got rid of the uh, top rope. It was really, really well done and laid out. Um, Callis comes in the ring and takes the screwdriver away from Moxley, and I'm like, ah, I don't like this. Yeah. You know? And uh, and then Omega you know, sets up Moxley for the one-winged angel, goes for the pin, and then Callus hits Omega with the screwdriver. I thought Callus did a great job with it. Didn't look like shit. Looked like he legit hurt him, you know? Looked like he really went for it. You know, I can't complain about that. You know, every time Vince was involved in a in a storyline where it involved him doing a move, he always really shit the bed um, in, like, a way where it's like he's cursed or something. Uh, so I thought that was all good. I just think, you know, it it creates a lot of questions, which I know is the goal. I just think it creates, I think it creates questions that you're not even going to get answers for at double or nothing. You're going to get them more towards forbidden door. And I just think two weeks or no, it's not two weeks until double. Well, it feels like two weeks until double or nothing. I think it is. Um, and since it is, I just go, Maybe pull that trigger at double or nothing. You get, you get but two more. Seems like they have a lot of plans. Yeah. Scott, yeah seems like they got a lot more, of plans. Yeah. You get two more episodes of Dynamite before you get to Double or Nothing. The the takeaways for me, number one, I don't – maybe I'm just whatever. I don't love Glass as part of a match. I get it was a callback, but it's it's genuinely uncomfortable to watch when guys are, like, wrestling on Glass, even if it's worked. And then when they kept forgetting where the Glass was and they would land on it, and Tony Schiavone was trying to, like, cover it up, like, oh, I think he just missed it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little yeah. – that's a little goofy. Um the the Don Cow was like as soon as he grabbed the screwdriver, I'm like, oh, he's gonna stab Kenny, and I'm like, yeah, but why? Like the whole point of this was to pull Kenny away from the Bucks 
and make him a solo, like focus on, on his solo stuff or whatever it was. Uh, but the look of glee on Brian Danielson's face was fantastic. Like Danielson's the absolute best. Uh, he's he, so he was good so good sports entertainment. Yeah, he was so great on the um, on 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 the uh, commentary. I, I thought he really added a lot to it. And rarely does someone on commentary add to a match. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, the fun thing about Palace doing it is people want you to think he's siding with Blackpool Combat Club when he's obviously not. And right, I think who that's does he why, side with that makes it satisfying? That's the thing where you go, who is he? Who I don't know. It's like, not going to be Punk. Takeshita. 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 We but already saw the him get so They're going to be like pulling. Yeah, I mean, I know you know the whole thing was after the show went off the air. The Bucks like took him backstage, and he was crying, saying, "Who can I trust now? Who can I trust?" And it's like, well, you know, Kota Ibushi obviously wants to work in AEW, but it's just like, well, when does that happen? Is that, you know, I just don't know. There's just so many options where I go, all right, let's reel in some options, but that's a big tune in next week thing. And because you have this big announcement, you're also going to have a big, uh, hopefully here's why I did it from Don Callis, which is going to be interesting. Hangman as well, you know, so Hangman got his eye uh, fucked up by, Moxley with a screwdriver, right? And now Omega got fucked. Maybe they come back like half robot parts. Um, Hangman and uh, Omega. Or they just have a, a screwdriver match and Jericho shows up with some orange juice. Oh, you are right. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's get to high spot, low spot here. Uh, Scott, what do you, what's your uh, high spot, low spot of the week? Oh, baby. High spot is that Will Ospreay, uh, Dave Meltzer, has said that he is confirmed we're all in at Wembley Stadium. Uh, he is not under AEW contract, so it's very cool to see that they're sticking with the all-in origin of it being about pro wrestling, also it being about Will Ospreay being the best wrestler in the world, and it's in the UK, and they want that. Um, yeah, it's just super exciting, man. They broke a bunch of records. They've already sold, what, over 60,000 tickets? Uh, I'm sure it's more now. So, yeah, they're just doing really, really cool stuff when it comes to that show and i am stoked about it and your low spot oh my low spot i'm sure a wrestler passed away or something right i don't know uh, um, i don't think so yet but then again you know we're recording this on a thursday maybe between now and tomorrow morning i'm gonna tell you right now i just look right now i literally just check right now to make sure nobody was dead i know I know. so we're good well, yeah, what's your high spot, and then I'll give you my low spot. So I got I got two high spots. Uh, the first is if you haven't listened to it yet, and I, I know I sent this on the the thread to, to you guys, but uh, Brian Koppelman, who I'm a, a big fan of, uh, who writes, uh, he created Billions. He wrote Rounders. He has a podcast, and on the podcast uh, this week, he had Paul Heyman on, and it's about a two hour interview with him and Paul, and it it's the closest you're ever going to come to a shoot interview with Paul Heyman, where he talks about the creative process and Paul breaks down the promo with him and Cody, the one that we all loved where it was, you know, uh, your, your dad really wanted Roman uh, to be his son, like that amazing promo. And the oh, way yeah, that he yeah. talks about it beat for beat 
it makes you it's 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 every reason why I ever wanted to be on creative all in one in one podcast. It's absolutely incredible. Totally recommend. Go out of your way. Listen to it. You're not going to regret it. My other high spot. Uh, I was in New York over the weekend with my daughter. Got to got to see Mike Lawrence, uh, which was a hell of a lot of fun. Didn't see you, Scott. You were with him at Union Square like earlier in the day, and then you had to go back yes. to Jersey. So uh, I met up with Mike. Uh, we went to Midtown Comics, which was fun. Like we had our initial nerdy wrestling moment because we met up in Times Square. And I'm like, of course, we're meeting up in front of the Hard Rock, which used to be WWF New York. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just it was just great to get to see. I haven't seen Mike in years. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, and then I was at the Met the next day. And who do I run into in one of the rooms but Stokely Hathaway? And we got to connect for the first. I haven't seen Stokely in years. So you can't ever escape wrestling uh, in like the best ways possible. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and Dan in a couple of weeks. Uh, my low spot was on Raw in Jacksonville. They overused uh, crowd noise being piped in just because they didn't trust the shitty Jacksonville crowd. And it was a little distracting for the people in the audience. It was distracting when you were watching it on TV. Uh, Where was it, this? This was on Raw? On Raw in Jacksonville. They used a lot of crowd noise because they were like, Puerto Rico was white hot. They didn't want to make it seem like this show was lackluster and they just don't trust uh, the Jacksonville crowd. And we got stuck with, uh, with some, some piped in crowd noise. And I never like when they do that. They used to get on WCW for that shit. Yeah. I hate that. I mean, I, I, I despise things like that. It's cheap. Because it makes you question real crowd noise. You go, Oh, this crowd is so good. And then you go, or are they? Uh, right um so that was that was kind of annoying but if you don't have a low spot and you just want to be a, a happy positive guy my low can... spot is i didn't get to see i didn't get to see you how about that that's my low spot i'll take that that was that was good um there you go. but yeah we'll we'll make it up we'll make up for it in a couple of weeks and hopefully a lot of you uh forbidden dorks will be joining us um in uh in brooklyn on june 1st for dan's uh june 1st baby comedy special scott will be hosting i'll be sitting in the crowd watching uh it'll be i'll be chanting you fucked up or this is awesome (laughs) yeah whatever exactly uh can i bring signs i'm gonna bring a i'm gonna bring a sign uh yeah fight forever which is actually about uh dan and a uh and and a guy in the front row who who was texting (laughs) during the first joke Oh, that'll be great. Um, and yeah, so uh, hey, thank, thanks, Dan, for dropping the uh, the backlash thoughts. They were excellent. We still haven't listened to them. I'm sure they're yeah. great. Scott, what do you want to plug? <laughs> Any other podcasts uh, you have? My other podcast, Out for Smokes, and uh, subscribe to this Patreon and yeah. support Dan. And uh, hell yeah, man, wrestling has been a lot of fun, and it's only going to get more fun because people are pumping money into it. It's going to be great. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. Uh, and, you know, go, go if you haven't done something with those, I've said in a while, go on iTunes, go write a review. Go, give it five stars, put a little review, talk about how much you love it. It's uh, It helps the algorithm or whatever, you know, that, that however that works. Uh, but, uh, Scott, if you got nothing else, uh, I will say, you know, look, on behalf of uh, Mike, Dan, Scott, Zach, Logan, and all of us here at WrestleRoast, Best of luck in your future endeavors. And Scott, what do you got to say? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Thanks, everyone.